Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hello, everybody. We are live. This is the Asia Tech Podcast crew in the Asia Tech Podcast studio here in Singapore with a special Pitch Deck Asia review of the year 2018. So let's start by talking about what Pitch Deck Asia is about, why we do it, and what you can learn from the show. But before we do that, a quick introduction to some of the familiar faces you would have seen in and around the Pitch Deck Asia, Asia Tech Podcast Studio over the last few months. My name is Graham Brown. Sitting over here, directly opposite me in the studio, we have... I am Prarthana Subbu. Hi, I'm Anish. Yeah, you would have seen these faces. Anish sits in the show sometimes, furiously scribbling notes. Pratana manages the show, so yeah. she is the face of the show, meeting you at the studio. Let's talk about Pitch Deck Asia. What is it about? Well, startups have three main challenges, and they are raising funds, finding good people, and telling their story. So we thought we would solve that with a show, Pitch Deck Asia. Now, the only chance you get to do that these days is to go to pitch competitions, um, you know, hire a booth at a conference or exhibition or join a list online. However, we feel that startup founders should be given more of a chance to go in depth and stare, share their stories. And if you are at the early stage of your startup life before you get to the spreadsheets, then stories are a key part of it. And you're interested in finding out about these startup founders. So Pitch Deck Asia, that's what it's all about. The story of the startup and the founder. Let's talk about some of the highlights from 2018. Because we have had how many shows, Pratana? We have had 71 shows. Right. Yeah. A real mixed bag as well. Yes. Amazing people coming, especially to our studio in Singapore yeah. to do the show. Yeah. That's what keeps us excited as well right yeah exactly yeah. it's good fun when somebody comes into the studio because they're going to share a little bit about their journey and yeah. their startup and they're all quite motivated people mm -hmm. so it's quite inspiring as well yeah. let's jump in and have a look at some of the names that maybe Barra, if you can get us the pitch deck asia website we can have a look at that so you can see who's been on the show so this is pitch asia if you're listening along at home you can find out more at pitchdeck.asia. You'll find a list of all the people who have been on the show so far. If you jump into that tab at the top, you'll see directory. If you click through that, you'll see a list of all the founders who have been on Pitch Deck Asia. This is a growing list, currently 70. Our goal is to get that to 1,000. Yes. That's our Ooh. goal for 2019. Let's start with more modest goals. All the people that have been on the show. Maybe we can talk about some of these. I think what's interesting is that they are sort of, they're not at the idea stage. Most of these startups have raised funds or friends and family rounds or self-funded, or some have raised from VCs. Some are at Series A rounds, but most of them are at the MVP stroke scale stage of the business. So they already have potentially paying customers or they have a product out there. We've moved beyond the idea stage. So they're more sort of quality startups than you find out in the field. Let's talk about some of the stories in this list of esteemed startup founders. Yes. Who have we had in the show? Let's talk about some of those and some of the highlights. And I know this is a bit like choosing between your children, so it's a bit unfair. <laughs> yeah. So they're all great, but let's talk about who some of the greater ones were. 
Who who made a mark? Who do you remember? Some of the memorable startup founders that came through. Interesting I, ones. Yeah, I remember the. He was one of the first few ones who came. Uh, Eddie Lee from Love Eighteen. Oh yeah, let's let's get him up. If you're watching on the the video as well, we can actually pull up not from YouTube but from the Pitch Deck sh website. Let's click on that. Eddie Lee Love Eighteen. What was that all about? It was all about chocolates. Yeah, it's amazing how that makes an impression on you. Yeah, so what he said was that there are either normal, the commercialized chocolates, which are cheap, and mm. then there are super luxurious chocolates, fancy chocolates, which are very expensive, right? Artisan. Yeah, and then that's where they jump in. They yeah. create quality chocolates. They were really good. Did you yeah. eat any? Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, they were amazing. Yeah, like if you guys will watch the show or uh, the, the, the his pitch Asia show, he is actually you. You even tried it on the oh, show, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, no, they were good. They were yeah. like um, what he calls nama, which yeah. in Japanese means fresh mm -hmm. or raw. So they're yeah. like raw chocolate. They're really you know that soft chocolate, which yeah. is best like it's quite cold. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's so good. I'm thinking about them now. They're really good. <laughs> But yeah. I thought it was amazing because, you know, we do a lot, obviously it's Asia Tech Podcast, we do a lot of tech. Mm -hmm. To have somebody like that on and talk about chocolates was really good because yeah. it was just, I mean, any tech founder would relate to what mm -hmm. these guys were doing as a team. It wasn't like it was a different world. The point was, is what connects them is that sort of passion about building yeah. a business, that vision, love of what you do, hence yeah. Love 18. That's trust, what trust connects us all, right? as well, right? He pretty much mention about their customer service in the stores yeah. that is very essential their whole experience so if somebody is not satisfied they can come and you know they can get the money back as well yeah which is fine everyone has their own taste but that says something about love 18 yeah they were yeah. big on service and we talked mm -hmm. a bit about zappos in that that um, story as well mm -hmm. Any of you that have followed um, the Zappos, Tony Shea's story should go and check that out because they're sort of echoes of that in Love 18. They are, are from, I think they're from Penang in Malaysia. Yeah. They? And they've recently moved to Singapore. Yeah, they've that? got some stores in Singapore yeah. and elsewhere as well. So they're expanding. That was a really awesome show. We like chocolate. So they're more than welcome to come back on the show as <laughs> yeah. well. So they're invited. Bring your chocolates, guys. Come back on to Pitch Deck Asia. All right, so that was Love 18. Anish, for yourself, you've done a lot of med tech this year, haven't you? Yes. Can you uh, share with us maybe? Yes. The two shows that I remember clearly, the first one that I sat in on was Biorhythm. Biorhythm, yeah. Yeah, and the other one was from a very different spectrum, which I watched before joining ATP was Spiking. Spiking. So these two are like clearly in my head, sort of. Amrish Naya from Biorhythm. Let's talk a little bit about that. What, what was Biorhythm about? Biorhythm uh, actually was about uh, prenatal uh, monitoring. Yeah. Uh, so it was something which was uh, uh, very uh, you know near to kind of something which I've seen. So for example, I have a few friends who were in that phase and mm. a sister in my in that phase. So it was something which was hitting the chord correctly, and there were some staggering uh, numbers which he gave, and that's when you kind of you know see it that uh, mm. it it is a big problem, and these guys are actually trying to solve it on the field yeah so, so this was about yeah you, it's obstetrics right yes obstetrics so, yeah um prenatal monitoring they built a device which sort of monitors the fetal condition yes um of a pregnant mother and yes. obviously baby 
And I think they were saying like 30% of pregnancies were yes, yes. R- at risk. Yes, right? 20, even 20 to 30% is at right. risk, even in the developed countries. Right, right. So because the, in developed countries, people have babies when they're older yes. and also diabetes is an yes. issue, here, especially yes. here in Singapore, yes. right? Yes, a lot of lifestyle diseases also affect them uh, in developed countries. Yeah. So that was what he said. And uh, he mentioned one thing, uh, like we all know, right? I mean, if, if mothers, uh, to be mothers are in a very good, healthy mm. and happy state of mind, then the pregnancy is uh, a smooth yeah. smooth one. So he mentioned about uh, uh, would-be mothers having to go, probably uh, people who are at risk having to go two to three times or four, even four times a week for uh, checking up sometimes. Mm. Going know, to, to the hospital. To, right? to the hospital. Yeah, well, that's never a great experience. You're waiting around and... Yes. Cetera, right? Yes, and and you don't want uh, would-be mothers to be waiting in the yeah. hospital uh, environment, sort of. Yeah. So they kind of brought a a device which is helping them to see the, I mean, you know, uh, monitor the baby at home. Yeah. And that's twenty four seven. So he kind of said a word like instead of having a few snaps once in a time, it's the doctor has the entire movie twenty four seven, and he can kind of yeah look in and mm-hmm. give feedback at any point of time. Yeah. So it's it's helpful for the baby and the mother as well as the doctor to kind of, you know, be in touch, know what's happening at any point of time. Mm. So, they, I mean, they're a startup, but they are from the world of medicine. Yes. Which, you know, is interesting. It's, it's people who are sort of disrupting that market in a positive way mm-hmm. rather than completely changing the paradigm. They're trying to make jobs easier or address some of the inherent problems in medicine. Mm. Um, and obviously the fact that, host- I mean, you ask any... Um, medical professional hospitals are built around a structure which is possibly 200 years old yeah. it's centralized medicine isn't it in the days of florence nightingale that's been around forever right and yet you know we live these sort of very decentralized lives but it won't take people on the inside to change that and sometimes it takes a, a startup like biorhythm to come along and change that so medtech in general is something you've been looking at right yes um you've been um researching talking to the startups in the med tech yeah. sector that came on to our show mm-hmm. and you produced a, a summary of that so if you're interested as an investor or a potential partner or as a startup founder in med tech anish's med tech report is free where do you go yeah. and get it anish you can go uh, log on to our uh, pitchdeck.asia slash med tech and uh, it's uh, free yeah. you can just download from there Okay. And you've got headline stats in there about MedTech as well as a summary of the MedTech startups that have been yes. on the show? Yes. It's, it's basically a profile of all the uh, all the amazing startups who came onto our show. Yeah. So it, it would give you a insight into them, sort of where mm. they are, what they do, what is the problem they are solving, yeah. and what is their solution for it. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're trying to do with that is we're trying to do that for all sectors, aren't we, as a part of our 1,000 startups. So we can provide like a snapshot, a map yes. of startups in Asia for these sectors and then with a bit of headline data and then one page cheat sheets for every startup for anybody interested in that space as I said like as an investor or potential partner you can just scan through it find out where these startups are what stage of funding they're at what's their background and then from that you can reach out to them because all of these startups are raising funds yes very good so that is the medtech report Let's talk about some of the other startups. Just for Biorhythm, can I add something? So yeah. Biorhythm is also the show is most viewed on oh, our yes. YouTube channel. Yes. It's, Why it's, was that then? It was just maybe they touched the right pain points. Yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe people are actually looking out for it. And it was such an... Even for somebody who's not from that space, 
like for me i learned mm. a lot from yeah. 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 that right uh, actually uh, recently i met with uh, uh, a person from the medtech field bipin bola if he's hearing right. so he gave me a very uh, a good insight for example for companies like this he said in medtech mostly um, majority of the innovations are happening where it's easier for the doctor or easier for the hospitals to kind of use it hmm. so uh, there are very few startups like biodem among one of them where they are looking from the patient's perspective yeah. ah. so they are making life easier for the patients which is a very important chord which i feel touched a lot of people yeah i didn't think of it like that yeah. good okay go and check out Amrish Naya, Byrhythm. That's on the Pitch Tech Asia website. And by the way, on these Pitch Tech um, Asia shows, you can go onto the website, see the profile, and actually watch the show. And they're roughly 35 to 45 minutes yeah. interviews. more Less of an interview, more of a conversation, I guess. Yes. And more personal. And mm -hmm. we go through the Pitch Deck, we walk through it, take out sort of the key points, but we don't do every single slide. It's more focused on their journey and their story, which I think people want to hear and often doesn't get told, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe we can talk about some of the other shows that have been on Pitch Deck Asia. Can I suggest one? I thought, because it was one yes. of the first ones. Yeah. And I think it was, you know, one of the, um, it's just a great case study. I think if you're interested in doing a pitch or you're creating a, a pitch deck or you're telling your story, David Yang for yeah. insurovite that was pretty good yeah so let's get that one up on the screen here now this is i mean if you were to watch this show our, our studio looks a little bit different it was in construction so mm -hmm. it's not as slick as it is now now the um insurovite story was interesting because a it's insurance therefore not necessarily fascinating <laughs> i know maybe those on the inside of the industry might argue the difference but Insurance isn't sort of one of those things you can naturally get excited about. But what I found fascinating about this was his story. He told the story at the beginning. I watched the show. This is in the first few minutes about how the idea for the startup InsureVite came about. And it came about again, uh, going back to babies. <laughs> so he just had, he, him and his wife had a baby and it was newborn. They're in the hospital and the baby contracted jaundice. Jaundice is uh, a it's liver disease, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just pretty common yeah. as well common. in babies. Yeah. yeah, and babies like turn yellow, yeah. really. And it's um, quite common for newborn babies because their liver's not functioning properly. But it wasn't. it's not a med tech um, startup. But the point was is that he really struggled to get across to his insurance provider during the, that sort of initial two weeks um, after the birth of their baby. And the last thing you want to be doing is on the phone to an insurance company or an agent whilst you want to be looking after your family. Um, so the idea of InsureVite was born, which was like an AI chatbot for insurance agents, because he said that if he had a chatbot to deal with and register a claim or ask about a claim, then all the hassle and the pain that he felt when he was in that situation would have gone away. Yeah. You know, because AI chatbot would not be sleeping at two in the morning yeah. and not mm. be sort of on holiday. And his issue was that he got blue ticked you know, which is that if you send a WhatsApp yeah. message, yeah. somebody picks it up, but they're not actually replying. I mean, imagine how that must have felt if you were like yeah. trying to get a claim. Your mm. wife's in obviously not in a great condition and your baby's not in a great condition. You just want to get this sorted. And the person you promised you when you signed up for the insurance contract said, no, no, no problem at all. We'll deal with it. Picking up your messages, but not replying. Mm -hmm. You were, you feel so yeah. angry, right? Yeah. 
So Ensure Light was born, and I thought that was a great case study in how to build a, a, a startup around pain points, yeah. right? Frustration. Yeah. And I think recently their WhatsApp, uh, the chatbot is also ready now. Right. Uh, I recently even saw their uh, the, the entire tutorial as well, a walkthrough kind of, which was a great mm. milestone for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. Good for them. Good. Go and check out that one. David Yang. InsureVite. Should we pick out maybe some others um, that were on the show? Pitch Deck Asia recently. I want to throw in a few interesting ones, which are a bit random. People might not be expecting them. Um, shout out to we've got to do Stuart Kerr and Rock Human Devices yes, yes. have to because he's a favourite yes yeah. um, anybody want to take this one away why was that interesting it's again medtech isn't it but you did this one yeah. obviously you covered it yeah. in your medtech report tell us a little bit about Rock Human Devices and Stuart well his was uh, his story is very different for example he's a complete outsider not from the medical profession at all yeah. uh, engineer basically trying to solve a issue which is affecting so many people and he ha he goes by the uh, he goes by the wording like why can't medical devices be cool that's mm -hmm. what is there in his uh, motto so that was actually very interesting so he's basically into odd, uh, a hearing device which mm. is attached to uh, glasses mm. so it's something which uh, doesn't have to be uh, kind of screwed on so mm. uh, I, I don't remember exactly the uh, term the which he mentioned uh, the hearing aid. Yeah. yes yeah. yes so uh, correct yeah so it was basically uh, he mentioned the current uh, available uh, solution is they have to undergo a very painful operation yeah. where Surgery, uh, right? yeah, yeah. Mm. where they kind of uh, drill into the back of your. Skull, I mean, it's not yeah. going to yeah, that's yeah. Right. and they fix it there. And uh, sec secondly, the the things that they put back over there, it looks awkward. So it's mm. again, once you fix it, also it's like a telephone box attached yes, to your head. Yes, right? so, so so just uh, you know, just think about the people who have you know have to walk around with that. So so both by means of the solution, which is painful, mm. and the post the solution is done it's not actually very efficient or very you know i mean the patient won't be happy after ha no, getting it especially if they're a kid yes and it yeah. is very expensive as well he pointed out yeah, yeah was it yeah it was some $25,000 really well he said yeah. very very few people actually do it yeah, I think the data like yeah. less than 5% of people have actually given the option to actually yes. do the surgery for an obvious for everything we just said cost and lifestyle right yeah yeah so uh, his uh, solution is with the specs uh, uh, is actually it's it's so cool. I mean, in terms of people don't think twice about uh, mm. anyone wearing glasses on the road, right? And it 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 gives a boost to the person who's wearing it also. I mean, yeah. there's no issue with you know self confidence. I mean, he's as normal as anyone. So yeah. those are things which actually help patients even after getting the solution also. And uh, other than that, I think uh, he told us about how he tested his first one also. Oh, yeah, that was a good story. Was a you got to watch story. the video for that, yeah. where he actually tested it on somebody for the yeah. first time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, you can actually see that impacting people's lives and making them better, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. This is good. You want to help those startups and get them out. That is Stuart Kerr from Rock Human Devices, um, which was a great show. I mean, to the point about the stage at which some of the startups are, Stuart... Um, well, he, I mean, he's obviously gone past friends and family round. He's had um, a couple of seed rounds as well. I think they raised about half a million US on the last one or, or Sing Dollars. Um, so they're a well-developed startup and they are actually developing a prototype now. So go and check out that. If you're interested in medical devices, engineering in particular, and that whole sort of med tech area. 
maybe some of the others that have been on the show. Who else do we want to give a shout out to? Uh, Blue Mag. Blue Mag, yes. Shout out also because they won our Best Startup Asia yeah. Award for November. And yeah. the entire team actually came to our studio to receive it. And there was yeah, a whole was acceptance speech. Yanari Bailus. Yeah. Bailus, sorry. Yeah. So what, what, what do they do? So Legal services, corporate secretarial. Yes. And yeah. more than anything, it all comes down to their team as well, yeah, which is yeah, very yeah, powerful. Yeah. All of them have a great background. And then they decided to come together and start something. Yeah, they're also recruiting as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that because most of these startups that come on our show are also recruiting. Mm -hmm. If you want to join a startup, then go and check out these shows and you'll find on some of these shows uh, a box at the bottom, a form yeah. where you can actually apply to join that startup. Mm -hmm. We're trying to keep it easy as a recruitment process. Just submit your details and it's, you'll go direct to the the founder, the person that was on the show. So, you know, the best thing is, is go to Pitch Deck Asia, watch the show, go to the form at the bottom and say to that person, you know, I watch your show on Pitch Deck Asia. I listen to your story, fill in the form, send it off to them. And your chances of getting a meeting, at least with that founder, are a lot higher than simply sending an email yeah. or coming through a recruitment website. Because that's how we founders like to roll. We like to make decisions quickly and we might like to meet people face to face they had a great team though I really like that and they've got a great culture yeah. full of energy yeah. mm -hmm. that was a really impressive so that's Blue Meg Yan Ari Bailus apologies if your uh, my attempt at your pronunciation was terrible okay a few more others let's throw in let's talk about Sherilyn Tan Asia yeah. Law Network because I think she was a great case study one of my personal favourites and the reason is is because I loved her story about building the MVP yeah and she is a real hustler as well yeah, how did she build the MVP of her startup? I think she just took a screenshots yeah. of how it's going to look like. Yeah. And just went around uh, knocking doors and asking people for a review, like, you know, some just thoughts about it. And some people, yes, they did give a constructive, you know, feedback as well. The others were like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, some re she got some really good feedback from that. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Is that there is the entrepreneur and there is the entrepreneur. Yes. And the difference is is that the entrepreneur talks about the startup and the entrepreneur gets up and makes it happen. And often that means getting out of their comfort zone and the moment of truth is asking for the money, right? And even, you know, some people say that, oh, I've got to have everything right before I go and ask for the money. But a, a true entrepreneur will go and ask for the money without having all these sort of their ducks lined up in a row, if you like. So even if that means, for example, not having a product, going out and pitching and getting money without a product. And if you listen to Sherilyn's story, you will find that you don't need a product to sell, funnily enough. You just need an idea and a great pitch. And she did a fantastic job of it. As Pratana says, simply with screenshots or a mock-up or a wireframe of an idea. Look, this is what I'm trying to build. Are you on board? That's a true entrepreneur. So go and check that out. Sherilyn Tan, Asia Law Network. And you know what? After Sherilyn came in onto the show, I went and used Asia Law Network myself. And I've used it twice, I think. It's a great service. I'm not just mm -hmm. saying that because she was on the show, but you know, it really does solve a problem for startup founders like myself. Okay. Who else have we had on the show? Maybe a couple more that we can talk about that have been interesting. Maybe some of the highlights, something a bit different 
that was on who was on the show recently. Vishal Doshi. Vishal Doshi. We're going back into medtech again. Yeah, but that was something. Yeah. He's trying to find cure for cancer. cancer. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it's good. So his background was he was a pharmacist, was he yes, not? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He, he was a pharmacist and uh, basically uh, his uh, the business model also is something new which I have heard. So which they mentioned, right? I mean, yeah. he give odds about how many trials each uh, farm, uh, you know, pharma company has to go through to yeah. finally end at the right, do, uh, you know, right product. Yeah. It was some one to 10,000 is it's the crazy, odds. No? Yeah, so crazy so odds. we knew about the odds, but it was, it's so crazy. I mean, and he's actually going into and buying the odds. I mean, you know, buying the products which are kind of, kept away which probably the pharma company could not get yeah. into and because of whatever reasons and they are looking at uh, solutions from there so which is a new concept which i saw in yeah. pharma company yeah using a bit of a big data analytics yes. and ai to crunch those numbers mm -hmm. so the, the challenge is that pharma is a very sort of narrow bandwidth industry like like you say one in ten thousand or yeah. one even if it's one in a hundred in terms of the discovery process of drugs because it's so expensive and trials are so difficult to run, like even to get FDA approval or, or that, that whole sort of process, it takes time. And therefore, even if they have start with 10,000 ideas, maybe only one will ever make it out to the market. But what happens to all the rest that get rejected? And a lot of that is, is you know, maybe it's too expensive for, or, you know, they're it's too expensive for a large farmer to go back into drug discovery and, and you know, reincarnate that those 9,999 yes. drugs. But for a smaller company, it might work. So what they're doing was fascinating. And I think there's a big sort of focus on Asia as well, wasn't there? That they, yes, yes. You know, if you take Japan out of it, there's hardly any drug discovery in Asia. Yeah. So so uh, what he mentioned was he's buying up all those deprioritized assets. And then he, his thought was to build up a good portfolio from Asia and then take it to you know, the Western world. So yeah. he mentioned all the major cancer research is currently happening in the Western world. And that's the reason uh, a lot of uh, solutions are expensive. Mm -hmm. And people mostly in the developing nations, basically, they can't afford it. Yeah. So that's where he wants to come in and kind of give the solution at a much uh, affordable rate. So have it discovered in Asia, made for, you know, the population over here and then kind of take it across. Mm, mm. Good. I mean, you can think about what the impact of that was in, say, in India, for example. Yes. You know, where, I mean, access to cancer treatment and the cost. Yeah. It's phenomenal, really, even in the developed world, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people can't afford it, so. Yeah. He, he was looking at Asia, Africa for that time. Yeah. So major markets for the, de you know, developing countries. Sort of. Yeah. There's a really interesting story about him in that, that, you know, if you're a pharmacist, if you train as a pharmacist, I, I'm not sure how many years that takes, but let's say seven to 10 years in all your studies and so on. And your family's invested a lot of money in medical school, right? Then to turn around at some point in your life and say, I'm going to start a startup. Yeah. For me, that's, that's an amazing, I mean, apart from what they're doing in terms of looking for cures for cancer, yeah. that, that, conversation in itself is amazing yeah even the story of him meeting his partner was interesting i mean the moment they took their decision it was i mean people should go and watch it i mean yeah. how they how he met his partner and how much time it took to kind of just yeah. take the decision to go into the field and you know start up something new yeah so i mean it's it's good because it's a case study and a role model for people in that field We've had quite a lot of professionals come on Pitch Deck Asia yes. and pitch their stories, haven't we? Not just what you'd expect to be like the young hustlers, the young yes. startup 
which you'd see in maybe like California, Stanford graduates and so on. Um, there are a lot of people who are sort of on the wrong side of 40, 45. Yeah. Count myself in that. But, you know, there's a lot of startup founders in that group as well. And often their stories aren't told because they're not the most exciting or they're not the greatest pitch people. And they're not what we expect in terms of startup mm -hmm. founders from the media. They're not the social network and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Any more that you want to... Honorable mentions? Yes. Harith Bhatri Harith from Gala Space. Uh, uh, Interesting for a person he is yeah uh, 19 years old young guy and he has come on our show twice now yeah. he's done a part one as well as part two for a three months update and it's just interesting to see how he's growing as well as a co-founder yeah and his startup journey as well yeah that's cool he's um based in malaysia yeah. So he came down to Singapore for the show. Yeah. And I think the first one we've done like a longitudinal study, right? Where we did yeah. the before and after. Yeah. So I mean you can get a really good insight into his sort of journey by seeing first one, second one, how he's improved, what he's changed. And it was in I, I didn't do that show. Gustavo did that one. Yes. But I watched the show and there was lots of insights about how they pivoted. Mm. They mm. sort of changed. Any sort of thoughts on that? What sort of things were they doing? Uh, so he uh, told us about the changes in terms of the team that he has taken yeah. that has not kind of taken uh, you know taken them back sort of because practically I think half his team changed yeah. from the founding team and then he, now he's got a more experienced team so he told us about how that's affected his uh, you know way of working yeah. he was not afraid to tell us the dis the difference in the funding that they brought him in I mean the amount that they were looking before and now how they want to yeah, kind of raise so that's reduced and yeah, more of, realistic, I think. Yes. Right? And they started with four co-founders, isn't there, I think? Wasn't it something yes, like that? Yes, there yeah. were four co-founders. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember the full story. Four yeah. co-founders, but it didn't work out. I mean, th this is it with any startup. These, this is the reality. Yeah. It doesn't work out in a lot of cases. Yeah, I, How do you deal with it? Yeah, And at 19 to deal with issues right. like that. It's... Exactly. That was the interesting part, that yeah. being the student himself. And at 19, you're doing all this amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He spoke about how he's hustling with his uh, clientele. I mean, majorly his age group university yeah. students which is also a tough thing to do i mean at that age when you go and pitch your product to your uh, peers yeah. your friends they are normally don't they don't kind of take you seriously but he's doing that yeah. yeah yeah that's tough for being surrounded by people who don't get what you're doing at that age is hard yeah. right they don't yeah. take you seriously even yeah. for uh, like investors and strategic partners I, I'm not sure that was one of the things he pointed out that mm. not everyone takes him seriously because he's a kid. Right. But uh, for sure he has something there and yeah. hopefully it turns out to be good. Definitely. And that, I suppose, is, is the challenge that when we talked about the older startup founders for the younger ones, especially here in Asia, we're not used to it so much. Yeah. If you're young, there isn't many stories of young teenage startup founders, right? I mean, yeah. in the US now that's, you know, we've had, Facebook, we've had the Napsters and all that. That's all been done. They were all 19, right? Yeah. But we don't really have many examples of that here in Asia. So when a 19-year-old entrepreneur rocks up, like you say, yeah. people think he's a kid, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. It took courage to come from there. I mean, to fly down from Malaysia to Singapore, even yeah. that takes courage. Yeah, absolutely. Good for him. No, all the best to him. One more, um, just sort of rounding up, honorable mention, this uh, I think well worth thinking about the story of JW Niao. Yes. So JW, that was awesome. I thought she was a great case study, um, a, a really fascinating story. And 
startup founders and entrepreneurship and motivation. She's the founder of Megarex mm -hmm. um, Retail, also now involved in the blockchain space. Um, she's had two exits, and I think she's raised like 25 million um, dot US dollars or Singapore's, I don't know, so 20 million US or 25 million Sing dollars in her exit. So she's got a successful track record all in retail, art box, mega fash, all that lot. Um, retail is a tough business. It's to very crack. competitive. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really hard to scale. It's cutthroat, all of that. And you have these high overheads. So mm -hmm. to make retail work, you've got to be a real hustler. And I think it's worth talking about her because a, obviously she's female and there's not enough female founders out there being celebrated. So good for her. And secondly, she was different. Yeah. Even when she came in the show, she said, mm -hmm. I think to, in her words, like, I can't remember what it was. I was a De deviant, deviant. Yeah. at school. Yeah. And especially here in Singapore, if you, if you don't live in Singapore, don't know much about it, you know, it's hard to be different here because it's a small city state, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a successful economy. Therefore, there hasn't been a lot of exploration of different lifestyles and so on. So to come on the show and say I was different, good for her because, you know, a lot of startup founders are different. They are a bit weird. Yeah, you have to be weird to actually yeah. <laughs> hustle your way in. Yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, you just go and work in a bank yeah. or a law firm. <laughs> so JW, great case study and a super successful, um, you know, role model for younger startup founders to follow in the footsteps of. That was Pitch Deck Asia. Well, that was 2018 review. We've done about 70 shows. 2019, we're upping the ante. Yes. Yeah. Let's see how we get. We've got a goal of a thousand. Do you want to talk a little bit about what we're doing in 2019? Yeah. What's the goal? So <laughs> it's a road to 1,000 startups, actually. Yeah. So that's the plan. And we're going to take Pistak Asia across Asia. Yeah. So where are we going? We will start with KL, Kuala Lumpur. Then we are going to go to Indonesia as well. Jakarta. Jakarta. China. China. Hong Kong. India. You name it. India. Yeah. Hong Kong. Vietnam. Actually, our viewers should tell us if they yeah. want us to come yes. to their city, right? Yeah, if they comment know. down below. Exactly. If you know good startups who should be on this show, then comment in the box below. You know how it goes. And by the way, if you enjoy what we do, there's a couple of things you can do. Firstly, you can hit like. Hit the like button in the face just so other people can find out about this show as well. Subscribe to Asia Tech Podcast on YouTube. If you want to go and check out the MedTech report or any of the other reports, if you're watching this on the archive, MedTech, you can go and check out on PitchDeckAsia slash MedTech. PitchDeck.Asia, by the way. And um, go and look at all the um, interesting startup founders there. If you want some inspiration, um, want a bit of market research as well, go and check it out in the directory. And it's under category as well. And if you want to be on the show, then there is a tab there under submit. So if you go to pitchdeck.asia, you'll see in the top submit, you can submit your startup to be on the show. We will review each and every startup and the best ones we'll bring onto the Pitch Deck show. So feel free to submit even if you're not in Singapore at the moment because we'll be coming to a city near you. This is Pitch Deck Asia by the Asia Tech Podcast team. My name's Graham Brown. Sitting opposite me. Brad Tanasabul. Anish. And shout out to the man who's sitting behind the deck who made this all possible, mm -hmm. the engineer.
Barrett, Barrett. welcome back. <laughs> we will be back soon with an update on the 1,000 startups for 2019. So watch this space. Otherwise, we'll see you all happy in 2019. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.